the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And the lifelong trader. This is the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley, Minneapolis, St. Paul. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. President Biden has signed into law the most sweeping gun violence legislation in decades. Saturday morning at the White House, President Biden signed the bipartisan compromise bill that seemed unimaginable until a recent series of mass shootings, including the massacre of 19 students and two teachers at a Texas elementary school. While this bill doesn't do everything I want, it does include actions I've long called for that are going to save lives. It toughens background checks for the youngest gun buyers, keeps firearms to more domestic violence offenders, and helps states put in place laws making it easier for authorities to take weapons from people it judged to be dangerous. And that is correspondent Ben Thomas reporting on Wall Street Friday, a booming session to Dow up more than 800 points. This is SRN News. Are you updating your home or remodeling your kitchen? Then look no further than PJ's Appliance to help you find quality appliances and keep your budget down. While many appliance stores have stocking issues, PJ's Appliance Outlets have added warehouse space to keep our stores stocked. So if you see it, you can take it. Hi, this is PJ. We take great pride in separating ourselves from those overpriced big box stores. How? By simply providing over-the-top customer service and great quality appliances at unbeatable prices. PJ's Appliance Outlet has become the trusted go-to store for brand new scratch and dent appliances. You'll save hundreds, even thousands of dollars on brand new name brand refrigerators, ovens, washers, dryers, dishwashers, and so much more. Don't pay inflated prices for name brand appliances. Take the short drive to save big dollars at either our Plymouth or new Maplewood location. Visit us online at pjsapplianceoutlet.com. That's pjsapplianceoutlet.com, where if you see it, you can take it. And every deal is a steal. Are you feeling a cash crunch? Things a little tighter with inflation, gas prices on the way up. Also, interest rates creeping up. And now would be the time to take advantage of a refinance through United Faith Mortgage and ease that cash crunch. United Faith Mortgage will pay $500 of your appraisal fees on all refinances. And if you're looking to purchase that new home before interest rates go up, they'll pay $1,000 of your closing costs on new home purchases. Hey, it's Lee Michaels here for United Faith Mortgage. So take advantage of these two great offers. Either $1,000 off your closing costs on a new home purchase or $500 off on your appraisal fees for all refinancing. You might just sleep a little better as you ease that cash crunch you might be experiencing. To learn more, visit United Faith Mortgage online at unitedfaithmortgage.com. That's unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. NMLS number 1330. Ryan Vreck, NMLS number 65233. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Is it his time? Yes! 
Where's your hat? Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Oh, God, that's all I need. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Let's go while we're young. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome to King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Thank you for listening. Yeah, you got you got it. Um, boy, it's a little, little more storm clouds coming in. But we were struggling, I mean, in this uh, period where labor is so hard to find. You would think, so here's a simple task, right? Many of us have uh, sprinkling systems in our lawns, and we have to turn them off in the winter, have to clear them up so that the pipes don't freeze, and then we need to have them turned back on and... I'm not skillful enough to do that myself. I don't have confidence that I would know how to do it. So I, I have a I have a service come over and 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 turn the water on and turn the water off. Um, and um, getting someone to come over and turn the water on, wow, it's taking weeks to find them. Uh, and the grass was pretty much dead when I mowed it on Wednesday. And the last two days, I mentioned four inches on on Thursday morning. I see on Friday morning, and then this morning it seems like we got another inch or so. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty thick out there. Uh, anyway, uh, we in the last hour of the show we just talked about the the holiday from economic reality that uh, that uh, the Biden administration seems to be taking. Taking. I tweeted one. If you listen to the show enough, you know. If I want to follow the show, I have to use Twitter. I have to use the hashtag pound KBRS to follow the show. Uh, and, and so I sent this out to, to I sent this out, uh, I've been sending some things out during the show today. I added one extra here at the, at the beginning of this hour, which was, uh, the wonderful piece. If you're not reading Scott Lincecum's column at the dispatch, uh, called capitalism, uh, with an O rather than an A, uh, for capitalism, um, you are missing a great weekly letter. Um, I, I, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it to you. Uh, it's uh, the Dispatch, of course, is one of the big uh, platforms, uh, big uh, publishers on on the Substack platform, I should say. Um, and it makes the point that I really, really thought needed to be made. And I and I'm going to play one more clip on oil, then I'm going to transition to my other my other big topic for today, uh, which is which is going to be we're going to talk about recession. We're going to talk about the risk of recession coming sooner because you, you're hearing things that make you go, hmm, hmm, I wonder what this is about. So, um, but first, let me go ahead and play, uh, let me go ahead and read you a couple pieces that were in Scott's column uh, this this past week, um, quoting two what you would consider to be pretty hardcore libertarian economist types, one Don Boudreaux, um, talking about the fact that one thing that happened in this country that I think is great, but you're feeling some of those effects now in at the pump, is the fact that we were not allowing exports in this country. And for for $20, tell me, who passed the, who repealed the export on oil ban that President Biden now wants to put back in place? Who did that? Who was president then? 
you would say, oh, I know. It must have been Bush because he liked oil so much. No. Well, it must be Trump then. No. Happened in 2013. Yes, true. President Obama's Department of Energy took public comment and then very quietly, because you didn't want to say too much to the climate to the climate people, uh, um, actually allowed for licensing of exports of oil and now, of course, natural gas too to other parts of the world. We in, we have the ability, because of the shale revolution, we have the ability to send goods overseas. Don Boudreau, who blogs at Cafe Hayek, um, one of the very first blogs I ever read, uh, 20, I'm going to say 20 years ago, um, and probably one of the places where I got the idea to actually start a blog, which uh, I haven't had for a dozen years, but uh, where how I met all the other members of the Northern Alliance Radio Network was through a blog I used to run back then. Um, Don Boudreau writes for, at Cafe Hayek, The greater our energy producers' abilities to export, the larger are their markets for domestically produced energy, and thus the greater are their incentives to invest in domestic exploration, drilling, and refining. While forcibly curtailing fuel exports might decrease the prices that we Americans pay for gasoline today, the resulting investment, the redu- resulting reduced investment in domestic fuel production will ensure that we pay inordinately higher prices in the future. Um, and so let me repeat for you what the, this cut, this is Stan Mayer from Hotchkiss and Wiley, which is uh, an energy trader, uh, energy trading firm. Uh, this is cut number 11, please, again, Marshall. But the real issue is longer term. Um, everything that's been proposed, whether it's uh, an export ban, uh, windfall profit tax, drop of gasoline taxes, uh, some of those will make the situation worse. Um, but really, there's been nothing proposed for the long run. And that's that's what's concerning. It is concerning. Um, and. And, and and you say, well, so the only way we could possibly allow uh, get more gas now is just give all our money to the gas companies and the oil companies. But that's, in fact, not true. So this gives me a quote from my another one of my favorite reads, uh, Pierre Lemieux, who is uh, an economist uh, up in uh, Montreal. Uh, Pierre writes uh, writes at, uh, at another one of my favorite blogs at... Uh, EconLib, which is uh, the blog at the, uh, at the uh, Library of Economics and Liberty. Uh, the only way private oil companies can find it profitable to increase production is if the price they get and their profits rise in the short term. In the long term, of course, their excess profits will be competed away on a free market. But if they fear that their temporary excess profits will be expropriated, they will never increase production, neither today nor at the next emergency, or they will do it out of fear of their government, but don't expect much efficiency from co- coercion. And this leads to, to the other cut. This is also Stan Mayer uh, from Thursday, uh, excuse me, from Friday on CNBC, cut number 12. Sure. So when we think about what what the fair price of oil is in a balanced market, we use $65, $70 a barrel. So well below where we are. Um, the issue is how do we actually get there? Um, historically, when you look at commodity markets, uh, the way a commodity cycle ends is generally too much supply. So producers become overly optimistic. If you look at 
the last time oil was $100 a barrel, uh, producers, management teams were very optimistic that uh, growth in China, emerging markets, uh, there was an insatiable demand for oil. So any project they could put on was going to work in the long run. So they were doing oil sands projects, deep water, uh, exploring in the Arctic, et cetera, anything to bring oil on. Today, it's the opposite. No one has any confidence in the long run. That's really difficult uh, for the energy business. It's a depleting business. These companies are on a treadmill. If they don't spend, production declines. And when we look around the world, uh, deep water or offshore is about 30%. Uh, there's not a lot of exploration going on. Sure. Uh, Russia's the news. That's about 11%. There's probably going to be a smaller market for their crews. They're probably not spending a lot of money. In the U.S., uh, there's there's growth, there's some drilling, but it's just too small. It is. It's just too small. And to think that you're going to drill based on the price today, you know, oh well, you you should be you should increase your refining capacity, and at the, in the next breath to tell them to basically say, I mean, a couple of the refineries that went offline that has reduced that supply. I tweeted this list that came out of a out of a reporter at Reuters who's covered every accident in the energy industry that has taken refining capacity offline. She ticked off one after another after another. I want to say about half of them were voluntary closures to convert the convert the plant to biofuel or nat gas or something other than the production of of uh, gasoline. Uh, for cars and trucks that's what's not happening and the reason for that is the end of it's the end of the the outcome of the various policies that are being put in place i mean you're seeing these you're seeing these from places you know uh uh you know want to uh you know instead what they're doing is they are encouraging consumption of a good that they are at the same time restricting the supply of. I mean, let's be honest. Is what is the government doing to promote the supply of additional hydrocarbons? I think you have to say the big the answer is a big fat zero. Now, it is convenient for this White House to uh, to make noise going over to Saudi Arabia to ask them, hey, would you produce more hydrocarbons? It's convenient for them to do that. But to encourage the production back in the U.S., no, it's easier just to browbeat them and and send letters that, that are, nonsen- are nonsensical to ask them to do, the, to do something that, it, that would cost them money and which even if they decided they wanted to do it, their banks probably wouldn't because their banks wouldn't wouldn't figure out the return on investment based on the current price of oil. They use a benchmark price. As you heard Stan Mayer, Major say, they use the price at about at about sixty five to seventy dollars a barrel. It's the same pro- process that you see people giving loans in the ag sector. They don't base it on the current price of corn and wheat. They base it on what do you think historically in the long term is going to be the price of corn and wheat? Right? We don't that way we don't overextend credit at a moment when when corn and wheat prices or 
beef and milk prices are high. Same thing happens in the energy sector. And we have to and and if you want to encu- if you want to encourage more production, you have to do things that encourage long-term supply and then let the market compete away the profits that you're concerned the oil market the oil companies will have. If you let competition happen, they're not going to make a lot of money in the short run, in the long run. In the short run they will and enough to cover the return on investment. And that's just that's actually how a market's supposed to work. Let's take a break here when we come back. Let's turn to the other big issue. Is a recession really that common? I mean, heck, even Elon Musk is talking about recessions. I guess we better do that after this. You're listening to the King Banyu show on the Biz 1440. in Ferris, at the mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Now that I've got your attention, let me tell you all about us. Whoa, tough crowd. Anybody out there? Hello, anyone? Fighting to be heard in today's competitive digital world? It's time for Salem Surround. Let us handle everything and get your message seen and heard. Let's turn up the volume on your business with Salem Surround. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code TREE for an extra $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. That's code TREE. Use code TREE for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill-up. What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late-inning rally? A game-winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Matt S. in Circle Pine says, Jake was our installer and he did an excellent job. We were very pleased with the process from start to finish. He was very knowledgeable and I would definitely recommend him and Great Garage Door to everyone. New double-wide steel doors starting at $13.95. Call 763-767-3000.
King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. So let's turn to that other big issue here. 651-289-4477. If you want to talk energy, gas prices, and so forth, love to do that. I'm hoping uh, to get a couple guests in. I want to talk this topic over a lot more. Um, a couple of previous guests uh, are both on vacation, but both have told me sometime in July they'd be willing to come on the show and i'd like to get them on to talk about that well well that's a tease we'll get we'll get you more about them uh uh going going forward um so a lot of the people a lot of discussion right now is focused on whether or not inflation is around the uh, recession is around the corner i think that got heightened uh this week when Jay Powell was in, was in front of Congress giving uh, his semiannual uh, testimony to uh, to the House and to the Senate, and he gave the he in answer to a particular question. This is I keep blanking on his first name. Uh, uh, Representative McHenry from uh, South Carolina. Um, I'm going to blank on his first name, but uh, Republican from from uh, South Carolina. Ask Jay Powell this question. I want you to listen to the entirety of it, the question and the answer. This is cut number one, Marshall. What is your level of commitment to fight inflation? Well, so it's unconditional, our commitment is. And the reason is that um, uh, we need to, in a particular situation, we have a, a, a labor market that's sort of unsustainably hot, and we have we're very far from our inflation target. We really need to restore price stability, get inflation back down to 2%, because without that, we're not going to be able to have a sustained period of maximum employment, where the benefits are spread very widely and where people's wages aren't being eaten up by inflation. Really, it's, it's something that we need to do, we must do, uh, in, in order to, to, to have that kind of a labor market. We'll need to do it. So let me, let me go back and... Pick on pick this apart. So, Marshall, I'm going to ask you to do this. I want you to start it again. I'm going to tell you to stop it at various places, or two uh, two times in the middle of this. So, so stay on the pause button as you play this again. Cut number one. What is your level of commitment to fight inflation? Well, so uh, it's unconditional. Our commitment is, and the reason. When you say it's unconditional, you are in fact in some way denying the impact on uh, of unemployment. If the unemployment rate reported out, we're going to do jobs Saturday in two weeks, right? If all of a sudden the unemployment rate reported out at above five percent, would it would the would that change the conditions? So he doesn't really mean when he says it's unconditional. But I'm telling you, markets reacted strongly to that midweek by selling off because they're like oh hey he might get even it now looks like 75 basis points is definitely going to happen and who knows they might even go 75 two more times maybe maybe we need to move our 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 rate interest a little bit higher Uh, continue that cut number one please marshall what is your level of commitment to fight inflation well so it's unconditional our commitment is and the reason is that um uh, we need to, in a particular situation, we have a, a, a labor market that's sort of unsustainably hot, and we have, we're very far from our inflation target. We really need to restore price stability, get inflation back down to 2%, because without that, we're not going to be able to have a sustained period 
of maximum employment, where the benefits are spread very widely and where people's wages aren't being eaten up by inflation. Really, it's, it's something Stop that we need. Stop right there. Okay. So, and we don't need to play that anymore. Uh, we, so, but, so he does say, the, he says the labor market is incredibly hot. There are still a lot of people unemployed. And there are a lot of people who were in the labor market in, in March of 2020 who are not now. Labor force participation is still significantly down. It seems to me like he's, like, at least in his mind, he's arguing in the moment, and maybe he would reconsider what he said if he, if, if, uh, he went back and thought about it. But in the moment, what he's saying is, in essence, I'm okay with the, infl- with the unemployment rate going up. I'm willing to engage in the trade-off a little bit. And that got people to start saying, "Oh, he must be thinking that there's going to be, there's going to be some recession com- recession coming." Last Sunday, on Face the Nation, Larry Summers uh, has this to say about about what the Fed needs to do, what needs to happen with inflation and the possibility of recession. Cut number five. I don't think there are historical precedents for inflation at the rate we now have it coming down uh, to the target the Fed has set of 2% without a uh, recession. And basically, Powell says, if inflation is unconditional, it means that, therefore, you're going to accept, accept a higher unemployment rate, even if that means that you actually trigger in a recession it got the attention of lots of people even elon musk cut number six cut number six i'm not hearing it i'm not either sorry sir i don't have that Uh, either (laughs) okay um, well, I'll let, so, so Elon Musk was, was, uh, being interviewed by, I want to say, uh, John Micklethwaite from, uh, the, he, I think he's still at the Economist, maybe it might be now over at FT, but Financial Times, but, uh, he, he was being interviewed and, and he said, yeah, you know, I'm looking out there and I think recession is coming. Uh, I, I, I'm a little surprised by, you know, a little surprised by that. So, so, uh, that is, that is, uh, really uh, an interesting uh, that's a really interesting development because I, I thought it was interesting he got asked the question and that he had an answer but his answer was sort of like yeah I think there's a recession coming I don't know that it's happening all that soon um, I, to get at that particular point um, I, I wanted to, to bring back a couple more uh, a couple of people we play off and I'm going to play you a little more Larry Summers and I'm going to play you some uh, some uh, of uh, uh, Jim Bullard, uh, who's the president of the St. Louis Federal Reserve, who has been very vocal in saying we need to raise interest rates. We need to get on top of inflation and we need to get on top of it right now. We need to go faster than we have in the past than we have so far. But you know what? I'm going to actually play him first. Uh, uh, if if our if the cut machine is working. This was him at a conference put on by UBS. Uh, I believe I believe he was he was in Zurich for this. Um, 
uh, on a panel, and he has uh, this to say about about you know why are we talking so much about a recession? Uh, it doesn't typically happen with numbers that we have like we have right now. Cut number nine, please. Inflation today in the U.S. 6.3% on our preferred measure, headline inflation, 6.3% on our preferred measure. If you look at the 1970s, and you take the median inflation rate for those living in the 1970s, 6.4% on headline PC inflation. So it is a lot of inflation. It's, it's similar to 1970s levels. That's why we have to act forthrightly and aggressively to get inflation turned around and get it under control. If we don't do that, we'll, we, you, know, you could suffer a decade of high and variable inflation. And the other thing about the 1970s is that uh, when you did have high and variable inflation, it wasn't just that, oh, we're putting up with high and variable inflation. It was that the real economy was also volatile during this period. And I think that that's because inflation messes up the price signals in the economy, makes it harder to tell where to invest. It takes, it's harder to tell which job to take. In other words, it throws sand in the gears. Um, and I remember, why did I take, I was listening, I'm like, why did I take that cut? And then you got to the end, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I've talked about this on the show before. Um, I wrote my very first paper in economics back in 19, you know, back in 1981-82. I actually, my first paper that I published was, was accepted in 1982 and published in uh, January of 1983. And it was on central bank independence. I mean, I've been, I've been in this area for 40 years. But the first paper I wrote never got published because it was a comment on another paper in a, in a journal, a big name journal in, in economics at the time and it was on this very question that in the 1970s we not only had high that higher inflation meant more variable inflation and that that imposes a real cost now i was writing this i and another graduate student at claremont were writing this paper um it was very very it was a very very old thing uh but uh what i what i loved about writing that paper was was that Many years later, I'm hearing people go back and say, well, you know what? That was actually right. Even though I didn't get published, it was right. It causes a high. If we don't get on top of inflation, it causes a lack of investment, just as we were talking about for energy in the previous hour and in the last segment. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll hear more from Bullard and Larry Summers again as well, talking about whether or not we should expect a recession when and how much and how bad it's going to be. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. The summer wind. Dr. Gorka here, and you know me. I am very cynical about products, especially those that claim to help people suffering from pain. So when I tell you that Relief Factor truly works, I want you to know that I mean it. I suffered from a stiff lower back for almost a decade, one so painful it made it difficult to kneel in church on Sundays. When I finally decided to give Relief Factor a try, I didn't ever imagine that I would find myself free of the pain. But that's what happened. 
Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted on the job each year, leading to injuries and death. This is the reality they deal with when making contact with the public. Another reality is that if someone doesn't comply with a lawful order or uses force against them, police may have to use sufficient force in response to obtain compliance. Use of force is always ugly. Nobody likes it, especially police, and nobody knows how it will turn out. Spread the word. For de-escalation to work, both parties must de-escalate. And de-escalation isn't necessary if there is no escalation. Help police by not escalating. Don't attack or try to disarm an officer. Whether it's getting asked a question, getting a citation, or getting arrested, don't argue, don't resist, don't flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now, complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org. Dad, why do you get so many phone calls? Well, son, many people need help with their homes after a bad storm. I want to be available to answer their calls no matter the day. Bad weather doesn't know it's Sunday, right? You know what? I want to be just like you when I grew up so I can help people too. Hi, I'm Alex, sales manager at Estate Claim Services. You know, I share that fond memory of a conversation with my son to show Estate Claim Services' commitment to our customers. We know storms don't wear a watch. You may not be available during our normal office hours, but relax, knowing that whenever you call, we're going to answer. It's the same with all our customers, because when you hire us to repair the storm damage on your home, you're working with a local Twin Cities company. We're not a storm-chasing company. We're here when you need us and will be around long after the work is finished. Check us out online at estateclaimservices.com. Estate Claim Services, your local available anytime storm repair company. Search Estate Claim Services online today. Call my dad today. Well, it's been building up inside of me for Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. I, I, having this chat with Marshall, who's, who's got uh, cultural references closer to mine because we're closer in age than the... the, the Do you mind, sir, I, if I jump in on that question, not Professor? Not question, not at all. Please because, uh, as I recall, President Reagan ordered uh, Chairman Folker to force the economy into recession so that we could stop the 20% inflation. Am I wrong in that memory? Yeah, actually you are. I okay. Because I, de- I need you to understand the timing. Uh, when did Volcker actually change the monetary regime to say, basically, I'm going to set it the interest rate at whatever I need to set it in order to control the supply of money? Jimmy Carter. Because he was a... That was Jimmy Carter. He actually did that in October of 1979. Okay. And so the the first sharp recession that 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 I think honestly the 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 one vote that caused Jimmy Carter to lose in 1980. Well, there are two votes. One was uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini, and the other one was Paul Volcker. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, in my belief. What happened after that, and this is very interesting, and it really relates to what we're talking about right now, so thank you, Marshall, for this, because it really helps explain this. When I was a grad student uh, in the early 1980s, and I tell people I was a grad student because, because of, I tell people I was a grad student in part because of uh, Paul Volcker and Jimmy Carter because I didn't think I could find a job that would last very long. Uh, I went to grad school because I thought it wasn't smart for me to be in the to me to start a family and all that. I graduated from college in May of '79, uh, and and so I um, I was um, I I I remember that that point because it was October '79. I remember my classes at Claremont, first year graduate student in economics. Volcker was all we talked about, but it was still with Jimmy Carter. It was still talking about about these very same types of clampdowns on gas prices. I mean, to me, I feel like I'm reliving some of 1980, except I'm not yet sure that Jay Powell is Paul Volcker. Okay, um, he might be. He might turn out to be, but I don't think he is. Um, the Reagan part, which starts in '81, is two things, Marshall, and I, and I always tell people people reagan did three different major tax acts one of which partly undid the previous one so first he passes a major tax reform in the opening days of 1981 the economy technically has left recession in the latter part of 1980 uh but volcker is still clamping down clamping down on still got very high interest rates you still have a dead housing market the stock market's still in in in, a, in bear territory you have all that going on and reagan passes a, ta- a, a tax increase uh excuse me attack the the first major tax cut the supply side tax cuts from from dave stockman you've got voker in place Reagan and the Republicans get cold feet in 1982 as they head to midterms. They are scared to death about the fact that they now have massive deficits that in the conservative mindset of 1980 were not supposed to happen because supply-side cuts were supposed to pay for themselves. Well, they didn't. They didn't. That's what David Stockman was warning everybody about. And at that very same time, Volcker is that Reagan's really unhappy with Volcker because Volcker's continuing to keep interest rates quite high, and so they have to pass another tax reform, another tax bill in '82 that undoes part of what they did in '81, um, because they they just felt like the deficit was too high and 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 that the the debt service costs were getting out of hand. Volcker was the one who stayed true on the inflation front. Um, and, 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 but it's worth remembering, it was a very different market than it was then because you were just coming out of a recession in 1980. This is sometimes referred to as the double-dip recession of 1980 and 82 uh, and so forth. It looks very different than what we have now. So let me go back to, to, to these cuts but that's a good point because a lot of this comparison, you heard Bullard, Jim Bullard from the from the uh, St. Louis Fed saying just before the the break, if you go back to the 70s, the inflation rate on our preferred measure, the personal consumption expenditures index for inflation was at the same six to six and a half percent it is now. But the economy was really different now versus where it was. During the Volcker disinflation, and this is Bullard again, cut number 10. 
to tell where to invest. It takes, it's harder to tell which job to take. Uh, it's harder to tell which inputs to buy because the price signals are, are, uh, are not telling you precisely uh, what the costs are going to be. Oh, okay, so I think that was the, <clears throat> the end of the previous cut. Is there, any, is, there, is there another cut there, Marshall? Yes, sir. Or is that gone? Inflation today in the U.S., 6.3% on our preferred measure. Headline inflation, 6.3% on our preferred measure. If you look at the 1970s... Okay, you can stop that. That's the same as we had before. Okay, that's okay. All right. That's all right. Uh, My apologies on that. that. No no problem. Let's set that aside. Um, But the point is the, the economy is very, very different now. You've got... You've got unemployment at 3.5%, 3.6%, 3.8%. Maybe it goes to, to the fours. If the unemployment rate goes up half a percent, you can expect GDP will drop by about 1%. And if that were to happen in the next three to five months as a result of what the Fed is doing right now, you would probably end up saying that we're in a recession. But I don't think a a I don't think that's really going to happen. I actually don't expect the unemployment rate on uh, to actually jump much beyond four uh, percent. And I still see a lot of momentum in terms of consumption. I see a lot of I mean, I do see the housing market, but those data we talked about at the beginning of the show today that showed new home sales was positive. We got, we did get a drop in existing home sales, but you still have people out borrowing. I just looked at the data from my local area here in St. Cloud. The construction market's not turned around. Building permits are still being pulled at about the same rate in this market for the first five months of 2022 as they were for anything other than 2021. 21 was abnormal. We pulled a lot of permits but and you might say, well, that's speculation. Maybe, but is it fair to say perhaps that COVID caused people to value living on their own and spending more time at home than they have before? It's one been one of my long-standing uh, uh, theories about what's happened in the COVID, from the pandemic is that the the desire for leisure and the desire for for larger spaces and living at home and apart from other people has gone up. And those will buoy uh, the housing market for the foreseeable foreseeable future, and particularly in places where you can get land and you don't have a whole lot of building costs put upon you, like you might suffer in in Minneapolis or St. Paul from from their quote-unquote smart growth policies. We don't have that up here in the St. Cloud area. It's costly to build 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 on a lot right up here, and I keep thinking they're it shouldn't cost that much, but we still have new homes going up that are you can buy for under $300,000. I think that number should be even smaller. I don't understand why it can't be smaller, but smart people tell me it's not. I think that's part of the change, and I think this economy really is different. And so I, do, and I certainly don't think, you know, in my disagreement uh, with, with President Bullard would be, I'm not sure the 70s is the right comparison here because the pandemic really did make things a little different. Um, Professor. Larry Summers. 
Yes. Do you, uh, I had a question from a listener, and and sure. this actually you can share with all of us. The concept of a soft landing, is it even doable, and what is it? So the soft landing theory, good question. The soft landing theory is basically uh, based on the idea that we can disinflate. Uh, we can get back to 2% inflation without causing a recession. So that's the soft landing theory. Most people seem to have moved off that now. That goes back to what we played. For, uh, in fact, let's go play that again. This was Larry Summers last Sunday on Face the Nation cut number five. I don't think there are historical precedents for inflation at the rate we now have it coming down uh, to the target the Fed has set of 2% without a uh, recession. And I think it's, I think here, here's, this is interesting because what Jay Powell and the Fed has been talking about has been 1994 as a soft landing. They did do a rate hike, did do a series of rate hikes in the in the mid-1990s, starting in November of 94. You could go back and look at the history. We did not have a recession after that. The thing that people need to remember is we also didn't have inflation at 6 to 6.5%. It was closer to 4 to 4.5%, and there was concern that it was, was going to go to 5%. So when we talk about the Fed going past that, here's that. Here's my answer to the question. Is such a thing as a soft landing? Yes. But the soft landing has typically happened in other places with less inflation than we have right now. And I think this is also a point that uh, that, that Larry Summers made last night on Wall Street Week. You know what? I'm going to play. You know what? No. Let's take a break here. When we come back, I want to play uh, Summers last night on Wall Street Week uh, on you know, on Bloomberg television, uh, talking about about the uh, expectations for recession. Uh, right after this, you are listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz. The Biz fourteen forty KYCR Golden Valley. I've always been kind of cynical towards advertising, which I know doesn't make much sense considering I'm currently recording a commercial. It's all the fluffy words that make us cynical, right? A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, a blue light special, but only, of course, if you call right now. It all kind of makes me nauseous, and yet here I am about to say that right now actually might be a once-in-a-lifetime moment for some of us, and that is the opportunity of a cash-out refinance. Arguably never has there been a moment in time like the last few years where home values have jumped at crazy historical levels, leaving all this extra money sitting inside our homes. A cash-out refinance lets you put that extra money in your pocket to use for life. If you'd like to see your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Meadow Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Or corporate Animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Has your heater or air conditioner busted? Appliance broken? computer crashed then you need an arw home warranty home system and appliance repairs and replacements can cause stress and cost you thousands of dollars per year with an a-plus bbb rating and a top-rated home warranty company on consumer affairs and trust pilot arw home provides superior service featuring the industry's lowest service call fee arw home has warranty plans that cover your kitchen and laundry appliances 
heating and air conditioning systems, electrical and plumbing systems, and much more. Call 800-942-1451 to customize your plan. Plus, ARW has partnered with Azurian to protect your new and used tablets, laptops, TVs, and other home tech from accidental damage and wear and tear. All plans come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-942-1451 for your free quote. That's 800-942-1451. Are you tired of bouncing over your sunken apron into your garage, shoveling snow off an uneven driveway, or stubbing your toe on your uneven sidewalk? Hi, I'm John Lamore, owner of Expert Concrete Raising. We can fix your settled concrete with a more permanent solution than mudjacking. Expert Concrete Raising uses a high-density polyurethane foam. It doesn't deteriorate, shrink, or wash away over time. Get it done right the first time. For a free estimate, contact a second-generation concrete raising business at expertconcreteraising.com. That's expertconcreteraising.com. Hi, everyone. This is Mary Carey from America's number one travel radio show, inviting you to join Robert and me and Rudy each Sunday as we cover the ever-evolving world of travel and explore the world together on RM World Travel. Tune in this Sunday evening at 7. Salmon fishing in Alaska at an amusement park in Green Bay or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. The Biz 1440. Let's let's uh, get right back to this. Thank you, uh, Marshall. We will. We're wrapping up here today, uh, and and we're reviewing recession. Before I play those cuts, I want to respond online to uh, it's on on air to something I've been talking with a longtime listener, Narn fan on Twitter. Uh, right now, um, you know, and, and, and makes the point that uh, Volcker, the Volcker interest rate increases were huge and vastly increased the, the, um, the, the debt service costs of the U.S. government, which had a much smaller debt-to-GDP ratio than it has today. It's worth remembering that, that, that you know, you had 10-year treasuries with double-digit rates, Back in 1980, 81, 82. Um, there's a, I, I'm, I have, I have on my bookshelf, but I haven't taken out to read yet because I'm not going to take a long enough vacation to get through it. The history of interest rates by uh, Jones, uh, by uh, Homer Jones, uh, and I've been meaning to, I've been Homer and Jones, I've been meaning to read that for quite some time uh, because I've been trying to get to understand that period a little bit better. Um, but I lived through it. I was a graduate student during it, and I can tell you, debt service was never the was never the big issue then. The big issue was around the banks. It wasn't around the federal government. But with a debt debt to GDP ratio much so much higher now, you are going to crowd out a lot of of government spending on on entitlements in the military if the rate goes up quite a bit. So I do agree, Narn fan, that uh, that uh, they might let inflation happen. But right now, I, I, as I as I typed to him in a reply on Twitter, I don't think uh, I don't think the Fed can do that right now because basically the president, Congress, and it seems like the public have all come together to say, raise rates, uh, fight inflation. We'll worry about the debt service issue later. Um, and indeed, it's interesting to me rather than worrying about the debt service costs of the federal government. 
what people seem to be focusing on is the fact that as they raise rates, the bonds that are on their own portfolio, thanks to quantitative uh, easing for all those for all that time, now imposes a loss on a, on a mark-to-market basis on the Fed's own balance sheet, and they're not even talking about that. I mean, they're talking about that, but they're not talking about debt service costs. So, and, and to which I say, no, nah, you know what, the Fed, the Fed does not have a balance sheet issue. As long as you still create the reserve currency of the world, you can still print money and get real resources for it. You actually, as a going concern, are not insolvent just because you're having to take some losses for a while. The idea that you're actually going to pass those losses back to the banks, yeah, okay, we can decide who pays for it later. I actually find that, I actually have to tell you, I don't find that a very interesting question. Um, I'm much more interested in, in, in thinking about what, what you're thinking about, Narn Fan, which is that debt service cost issue. Uh, Larry Summers, last night on Wall Street Week, was also asked about his expectations because everyone's talking about recession from Jay Powell, Elon Musk, everyone's on it. Uh, he had this to say. Cut number seven, please. I think, David, that a recession is almost inevitable. Uh, probably a 75%, 80% chance within the next two years, and there's certainly a real risk uh, that it will come uh, sooner. And, and, and that's the question. I disagree. There's a risk that it's going to come sooner. I don't, if you ask me what my thought is for, for a recession in 2022, I put that risk at no more than about 15% right now, somewhere in the 10 to 20 area, if I was to do that. But for, 20, for 2023... I'm about 50-50 right at this moment, which I never get to 50-50 without, without a recession happening sometime later. I typically go from 50 to 100. I d- rarely go from 50 back down to zero. So we'll see what happens, I'm not, but I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's go- going to happen. But he's asked about this. He, he continues on this uh, even more. Cut number eight. You know, there have been many failures, particularly the 1970s are the classic example of where economic policymakers did the equivalent of stopping their antibiotic when they felt better, but before the 10-day dose uh, was through. And then this, I, this to me is, a, it's a wonderful metaphor, by the way. I love this metaphor uh, of... Um, Stopping the uh, of stopping the the medica- medication, stopping and the uh, raising of rates before you actually get rid of inflation. Um, this was known in the in the economics literature as stop go economic policy. Back in the seventies, we criticized we criticized Congress, we criticized the Fed, criticized the White House for not having the the bravery to go forward with what they what they say they're going to do. That's why, for me, when I hear Jay Powell say something like this, let's play one more time. Cut number one, Marshall. What is your level of commitment to fight inflation? Well, so it's unconditional, our commitment is. And the reason is that... Stop um, right there. uh, When they say it's unconditional, you never heard that in the 1970s. You always heard them talking about a trade-off. You always heard them talking about the Phillips curve. The reason I don't worry about that, the reason I don't worry about that is because 
the trade-off is no longer believed to be very relevant. They were surprised. They thought to talk themselves into, hey, the trade-off isn't really there because the Phillips curve is flat. Well, guess what? What they've learned in the last in the last six months is the return of the tra- uh, the return of the vertical Phillips curve. That they've hit the wall. Unemployment's very low. They're going to talk themselves into not having much in terms of, of, of a Phillips curve. But if, when you say it's unconditional, um, uh, when you say it's unconditional, then what you're saying is, what you're going to say is, um, what you're going to have to say is, yeah, it turned out to be conditional after all. And if they do that, that's where the Fed's credibility goes pretty much to zero. I know for some people you've never given them much credibility. I understand that. I my point my point in response to that is the Fed has been able to disinflate you know in the last two cycles the disinflation cycle was a lot less costly than we thought it would be. There's reason to believe it might be less costly this time too, but when you let the inflation get inflation rate get to 6% you're really playing you're really playing with fire and you should be very very careful about that so uh that's that's where i'm right now i wish i had time to respond to darn fans comment about remittances from the fed to the treasury but i'll have to do that on twitter follow us there using the hashtag pound kbrs marshall thank you so much for sitting in for daniel and pushing the ones and twos appreciate you very much i want to thank you all for listening we're going to be off for the fourth of july weekend but we'll see you in two weeks for a job saturday here on the king banyan show on the biz 1440 we noticed we had a leak in our roof hey i'm brenda from stillwater minnesota we noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney this is our first time working with jtr roofing A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only did they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business. And just overall, it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely. We're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com. That's JTRRoofingInc.com. Hi, John Wichko here. As the owner of Advantage Auto Glass, I want to thank you for supporting our local family-owned business. In fact, we've grown because of you. So we've hired more certified technicians so we can serve more Minnesotans. I want to invite you to finally get that chipped or cracked windshield fixed now. You've put it off long enough. We'll even come to your home or work anywhere in the metro to save you time. Advantage Auto Glass has an A-plus rating with the BBB, and we're a preferred shop for all major insurance companies. You get that distinction with over 20 years of experience. Tell your insurance agent that you want to work with Advantage Autoglass, or better yet, give us a call and we'll handle all the paperwork with no out-of-pocket costs to you. Every windshield we install is backed by a lifetime warranty. Just call Advantage Autoglass today and we'll take care of everything. And don't forget, you can always schedule your appointment on our website at ReplaceMyWindshield.com. ReplaceMyWindshield.com.
I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Samantha Cowell. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Keaton. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I am proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. Bears, bulls, and even black swan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.